thank you very much, everyone. Um, I'd like to thank everyone. I can't remember or mention uh, any names because I don't want to forget anyone. So thank you, uh, everyone who made this venue possible and gave me the opportunity to present at uh, this uh, symposium. Uh, I'd like to begin to mention... Um, um, I'd like to begin by mentioning my uh, relationship with uh, Ibn Arabi. Uh, Sufism, I first began reading uh, the first book on Sufism back in 1985. The book was the Risala Qushairi, the epistle of Imam Qushairi. It was uh, edited by Dr. Sheikh Abdul Halim Mahmoud, who was the Grand Sheikh of Al Azhar. And uh, I really loved. Uh, Dr. Abdul Halim Mahmoud, and I started reading all of his books and collecting all of his books. Uh, in 1992, I was finishing my MPhil degree in, uh, in England in uh, Islamic architecture, and uh, I was reading uh, on Ibn Arabi, and I read many criticism regarding Ibn Arabi, so I was very uh, skeptical in reading Ibn Arabi. Uh, when I came back to Egypt, I read a book by Dr. Abdul Halim Mahmoud. He wrote a book on Sheikh Abu Madian al-Ghawth, who is known as the spiritual teacher of Ibn Arabi. And then when I read uh, the praise of Dr. Abdul Halim Mahmoud regarding Ibn Arabi, and then I started reading what he mentioned, I, th I said, this, this, this person is something else, is unique. And I was working in the restoration of Al-Azhar Mosque in, at the end of 92, and uh, I started reading small books of Ibn Arabi. And since that time, I was hooked. I, I couldn't read any, anyone else in Sufism, maybe with the exception of Sidi Abdul Habib Sharan, Imam Abdul Habib Sharan. But Sheikh Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi, I can't read anyone else uh, in Sufism. Um, the topic of, of love, why I chose love. Uh, I think love is uh, the foundation. It's the heart, it's the spirit of Islam and in Sufism. And you only need love to enter the, the heaven, the, wit the witnessing of, of God, nothing else, if you just come with love. And uh, as the Beatles say, all you need is love. So, so love is the, the, the main topic, which I think is um, the basis of creation of, of everything good. Uh, to begin, early Western scholars had a tendency to see Islam as a religion of ritual, law, works, and even fear, much like Judaism. Among the 19th century scholars, it was often argued that because both of these religions were Semitic and therefore inferior to Aryan religions, they did not give much place to love or the higher human emotions. This sub subjective perception had more to do with the predominant views of the Semitic religions in Europe and of the religious mentalities they supposedly produced uh, or which uh, produced them than of the religions themselves, at least if we are to judge these two religions by their own books and writings. The idea of the absence of love in Islam was indicated by the Scottish scholar John Arnold McCulloch in his book Religion, Its Origin and Forms in 1904. He wrote, Islam 
the religion of submission as it sprung up among a people who had preserved most faithfully their Semitic characteristics has also remained faithful to Semitic religious conceptions. In nearly every case, the gods of the Semites were lofty and terrible deities before whom man crouched in fear, unlike those of the Aryan race. And Islam, in its conception of Allah, has made this foundation stone of their faith. It is a religion of fear, not of love. From an Islamic point of view, however, love or hub is believed to hold a central position and play a crucial role within the overall ethos of the religion. As the Prophet of Islam said, none of you truly believes until God and his messenger are more beloved to him than anything else. He thus stressed love above all else. The concept of love in Islam, both the nature of divine and human love, has been examined most thoroughly in the writings of those considered to be the representatives of Islamic spirituality, the Sufis. The metaphysical approach in Sufi literature on love is generally vague and indirect in its language, imagery and expression. Most Sufi authors believe that writing on love should be discreet and vague because it conveys personal, spiritual and private experiences and feelings. They also agreed that love is challenging to define and that it really can only be known by experiencing it. And they usually mention uh, the scent of the rose. How can someone describe the scent of a rose or the taste of honey? You can say it's sweet or beautiful, but what is really the scent of a rose and different roses? You have to experience it yourself in order to understand. Love for them was not only considered to be a personal experience, but also their religion in terms of devotion to God and being in the sense of their existence and belonging to God. Through the elusive language of love, with the exception of rare cases, Sufis were able to express and convey esoteric knowledge without coming into direct, direct conflict with strict uncompromising formulations of exoteric dogma. They considered the path of love to be the most applicable path to draw the general public, al-awam, closer to God. One of the early attempts to formulate the notion of divine love and define the relationship between the creator and creation was introduced by an early Sufi, as-Sirri as-Saqati, in Baghdad. As-Saqati conceptualized the idea of mutual love between man and God. Junaid, the famous Sufi scholar of both the law and the spiritual path, was one of the earliest Sufis to refute all notions of duality between the lover and the divinely beloved. He says, quote, love between two is not right until the one addresses the other, O thou I, Statements such as these intimidated the doctrine of the oneness of being or wujud, a theme which Ibn Arabi would subsequently develop. Similarly, terms such as ishq or intense love were introduced during this early period. 
Abu al-Hussein al-Nuri was one of the first Sufis to use the term in the context of intense or passionate love for God. After defining himself as a passionate lover or aashiq of God. Another important representative of the school of divine love was Rabi'ah al-Adawiyya. Rabi'ah presented a new school of thought declaring that, quote, I have not worshipped him from fear of his fire, nor for love of his garden or paradise, so that I should be like a lowly hireling. Rather, I have worshipped him for love of him and longing for him. She indicates in such passages that she loves God for both the desire of her soul, which longs for him, hubbul hawa, and because he deserves to be loved for himself, لِأَنَّكَ أَهْلٌ لِذَاكَ She thus distinguishes between two types of love, the first being the love of God for his rewards and personal desires, ahwa, which are considered to be selfish forms of love, and the second is a selfish love or hub, which is the love of God only for himself. Rabia concludes her message of divine love by confirming that her love and praise for God in reality is not hers, but is God's own love and praise for himself. Such ideas implied to the concept of oneness of being or wahdat al-wujud, a concept which Ibn Arabi subsequently develops and contextualizes. Ibn Arabi articulated a metaphysics of divine love, al-hubb al-ilahi, more comprehensively than any other Muslim scholar in the, in the history of Islamic literature. He differed from the early Sufis, that which we mentioned, by expanding and elaborating on their ideas and introducing a structured doctrine which systematized and integrated Sufi esoteric teachings into a framework of exoteric knowledge. Because love is so central to Ibn Arabi, he understands it to be the motivating force behind creation itself. According to a famous tradition known as the Hadith of the Hidden Treasure, God is said to state, quote, I was a hidden treasure and I loved to be known, so I created the, crea uh, the creatures and made myself known to them, so they knew me. Ibn Arabi subsequently mentions in this section the Hadith al-Qudsi of the Hidden Treasure as the justification for creation. This Hadith is not mentioned in the mainstream canonical comp compendiums, but Ibn Arabi endorses its authenticity on the basis of personal revelation or kashf. Ibn Arabi understands this hadith to mean that God's love has an intrinsic predisposition to manifest being or wujud or existence. From this point of view, every creature is a self-disclosure, a theophany, a tajalli of God, or an epiphany, a mazhar. At the same time, wujud does not have real existence on its own. They describe it as metaphorical existence because real existence is attributed to God alone. That is to say, God expresses himself through himself to himself. And because God loves the part of himself which is still unmanifest outwardly, 
this unmanifest aspect is the hidden treasure to which the hadith is referring. Ibn Arabi bases his ideas on the theory of oneness of being wahdat al-wujud or simply oneness, tawheed. This concept is the most recurring metaphysical theme in Ibn Arabi's doctrine and is the main underlying principle in his writings. The concept of oneness of being has epistemological and ontological connotations. Epistemologically, this term refers to the deep inner knowledge gained from witnessing shuhud, the divine theophanies in all creation. Ontologically, it refers to the idea that there is no existence, wujud, but the existence of God and that only God has true existence. This is indicated by Ibn Arabi when he writes, quote, everything is molded according to self-love, and there is nothing manifest but him in the self ayn of the possible, end quote. This may seem a problematic concept, as how can one associate self-love with God? Ibn Arabi explains this when he says, that God affirms his own love and beauty by manifesting himself to himself. God does this by revealing his own attributes, sifat, to his essence, that, by means of all the epiphanies of creation. It is through this act of manifestation, according to Ibn Arabi, that God's self-love is appreciated as the main cause of creation. This self-love exists, as Henry Corbin states, quote, eternally as an exchange between God and creation. Because love is important in Ibn Arabi's overall religious and mystical vision, he composed numerous works on the subject, either lyrically, as in The Interpreter of Desires, Turjuman al-Ashwaq, the collection of Gnostic poems, Diwan al-Ma'arif, or in discursive expositions such as the Divine Theophanies, Al-Tajalliyat Al-Ilahiyya, Descents at Mausul, Al-Tanazzulat Al-Mausuliyya, the crown of epistles, Tajir Rasail, and of course, the Meccan revelations or Meccan openings, Al-Futuhat Al-Makkiyya. In chapter 178 of Al-Futuhat Al-Makkiyya, entitled, On Knowing the Station of Love Fi Ma'arifat Maqam Al-Mahabba, Ibn Arabi analyzes the subject of divine love extensively. The chapter's introductory poems are essential in understanding Ibn Arabi's ideas and arguments. For example, he presents his main ontological ideas such as the concepts of wujud, creation or existence, and wahdat al-wujud, oneness of being, in a number of verses of the introductory poems. He indicates that nothing exists in reality except God in verses such as there is nothing except him but only him or it is correct to say that the perceived existence is God and nothing sees God except God so apprehend فَلَا يَرَى اللَّهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَاعْتَبِرُوا In other verses, he signifies that creation has only meta metaphorical existence or جَائِزَ الْوُجُودِ 
and that real existence only be belongs to God who is the real existence or al-wujud al-haq. We find this when he writes, quote, I appeared to my creation in the image of Adam. ظَهَرْتُ إِلَىٰ خَلْقِي بِصُورَةِ Adam. Or if I say I am one, it is his existence. And if they substantiate my essence, hence duality. فَإِنْ قُلْتُ أَنَا وَاحِدٌ If I am one, فَوُجُودُهُ It's his existence. وَإِنْ أَثْبَتُّ عَيْنِي And if I establish my existence, عَيْنِي فَمُزْدَوَجَانِي Hence duality. And, quote, O who appeared in himself to his precious one with no multiplicity, for my very being is annihilated. Aya man bada fi nafsihi li nafsihi. Wala adadun falainu minniya fani. And on the description of divine love, Ibn Arabi signifies that it is only God who loves himself. And in reality, the lover and the beloved are only his epiphanies. He says, quote, I loved my essence, a love of one to another. And love is attributed relatively to humans and God in a relationship not known to our knowledge when he says, Love is tasted and its reality is not known. It's tasted. And its reality is unknown. Another, he says, there is nothing in the cloak except what Al-Hallaj once said. So be fortunate or pleased. It is noteworthy to indicate that chapter 178 of the Futuhat is not only unique in being one of the lengthiest chapters in the Futuhat, but also because it contains the most poetry. In chapter 178, Ibn Arabi classifies love into four categories and indicates that even if love has four terms, every term has a state different than the other. The first term is love, al-hub, which he considers to be the purest form of the condition of love. He explains that this purity penetrates the heart of the lover and is not subject to change. This form of love obliterates any purpose or will besides that of the beloved's purpose or will. The second term, affection, al-wud. Ibn Arabi describes this form of love as a constant faithful fixation, thabit, of love in character to the divine attribute of God, who is the loving, al-wadud. The third term is intense love, al-ishq, which is the extreme overwhelming love. This term is attributed to the, to the convolus bindweed that coils itself around its vertical support, causing the support to eventually become unseen and figuratively disappear, becoming one. This is comparable to the coming together of the lover and the beloved 
and both the lover and the beloved are united as one entity. Finally, the fourth term is desire, al-hawa, which is the sudden inclination of love or unexpected passion of love. It is also the annihilation, fana, of the lover's will in that of his beloved. Ibn Arabi explains that hawa is the first inclination and attachment that happens to the heart. And he explains later that hawa also one of its meanings is to fall from a top. Yahwa. He says, Hawa is the first inclination and attachment that happens to the heart and is caused either by a gaze, nadra, a dictum, khabar, or an act of gratitude, ihsan. The importance and significance of developing meaningful polysemic understandings can be established when the etymological analysis between these terms and their root is explained. Ibn Arabi explains that the first term, love, hub, is associated with the word habba, which means grain or seed. The two meanings, hub and habba, have similar associations. The small seed steadily grows and flourishes due to frequent nourishment, and correspondingly, love begins small and develops greatly. The second term is intense love, ishq. Ibn Arabi explains that ishq represents love's ascending, the opposite of hawa, the ascending spiral movement, similar to the vertical spiral motion of the convolvulus plant. Similarly, the third term, affection, wood, has other meanings such as a stake, a nail, or a peg. The, hence, uh, the fixation of it. Therefore, the meaning of wood is love that is deeply rooted in the heart of the lover as the stake, nail, or peg are affixed to their fixations. Finally, he indicates that the fourth term, desire, is related to the word yahwa, meaning to descend. It signifies falling from above, which implies a contrary meaning of the term ishq, which expresses ascending movement. Ibn Arabi similarly mentions another form of love, which he considers to be a lesser form of love than the other three. This is the love of love, hubb al-hubb. He explains that this type of love means that the lover falls in love with the condition of love itself. Ibn Arabi categorizes love into three divisions, aqsam. The first is divine love, al-hubbul ilahi. The second is spiritual love, al-hubbul ruhani. And third is natural love, al-hubb al-tabi'i. He states, quote, in love, there is divine, spiritual, and natural. Divine love is the love of God for us, and also our love for him can be called divine. Spiritual love seeks of the lover seeks to satisfy the beloved, leaving no requirements, gharad, or wanting, irda, besides that. 
Natural love of the lover pursues to obtain all personal requirements regardless of pleasing the beloved or not. And this is the case of love for many people today. End quote. Ibn Arabi attributes these two divisions to human love. The first type is the natural love in which humans share certain similarities with animal emotions and basic instincts. The second type is the spiritual love where humans distinguish and differ from other creatures. As for divine love, Ibn Arabi defines it as both God's love for us, حُبُّهُ لَنَا and our love for him, حُبُّنَا لَهُ He states, for God says he loves them and they love him from the Quran and love attributed to us is different than love attributed to him. Love attributed to us according to our realities as humans is divided into two categories. A category called spiritual love, حب روحاني, and the other is natural love, حب طبيعي. And our love for God is with both types of love together. Thus, from this point of view, God's love for us has two aspects. The first is his love for us, for ourselves. And the second aspect is his love for us for himself. Wanted to be known. He explains that his love for us for himself is mentioned in both the hadith, I was a hidden treasure, and I loved to be known, and the Quranic verse, I created the jinn and humankind only that they may, they may might worship me. He clarifies that God created them only for himself so they, that they worship and know him alone. As for his love for us, for ourselves, Ibn Arabi indicates that God, through divine revelations, taught people ethics and explained to them how to invoke and mention him. يُسَبِّحُونَهُ And act in goodness and God guaranteed humans rewards of eternal happiness if they obey his commands. As for our love for him, Ibn Arabi specifies that humans love for God with both types of love, spiritual and ruhani. Human love, Ibn Arabi further subdivides the human love insani for God into four types. He says, there is only there is only left for us after the categorization of our love for him except four divisions and they are either we love him for himself or we love him for ourselves or we love him for both types or we love him ni for neither one here another issue is raised which is why do we love him if it is proven that we love him but not for himself and not for ourselves and not for both so what is the fourth case this is a subdivision, therefore there is another categorization, which is if we love him, do we love him with ourselves? Or we love him with himself? Or with both? Or with nothing? Ibn Arabi indicates that the first type is to love him for himself, the second is to love him for ourselves, and the third uh, love for, for himself and ourselves. And the fourth type is to love him for none of the previous. Hence the question of how and why can we love God if we neither love him for himself or ourselves, 
Ibn Arabi answers, the first type which is to love God for himself is that when the faithful or believers love and hate for the sake of God, he or she become a lover who loves God, the one, Al-Wahid, who appears from his name, the apparent, Al-Zahir, in the multiplicity, Al-Kathra of creation. He therefore states, for this is one human who loved one God, فَهَذَا وَاحِدٌ أَحَبَّ وَاحِدًا One loved one. And that beloved one, Al-Wahid, Al-Mahboob, exists, mawjood in many multiplicity or kathra. Therefore, he loved the multiplicity for this reason. Even the, one uh, sheikh, Sidi Ahmad al-Tijani, he said that God even loves the non-believer because he created all creation from love. He despises the bad acts or bad actions, but he loves everything he created. He, because he created everything out of love. When this is realized, Ibn Arabi affirms that the lover praises and worships God for the sake of praise and worship alone, regardless of any earthly or heavenly reward. Here Ibn Arabi is referring to the hadith which says, quote, if anyone loves for God's sake, hates for God's sake, gives for God's sake, and withholds for God's sake, he has perfected faith or iman. The second type that is to love God for ourselves occurs when people recognize God in his blessings and provisions, al-ni'am. Hence, love him for his generosity and providence. Here he is referring to the hadith that says, quote, Love God for what he nourishes you with his blessings. Love me, the prophet, due to the love of God, and love the people of my household due to loving me. End of hadith. This type of love Ibn Arabi considers to be the lesser form of love because it places the selfish desires of the soul before the love of God. The third type, that is to love God for himself and ourselves, is when the lover combines worshipping God for the sake of himself and for desiring divine rewards from his or her spiritual love and fear. God's wrath from this, this is the natural love. Therefore, Ibn Arabi states that loving God for both himself and ourselves is the highest form of love because it emphasizes both types of existence, real and metaphoric, namely God and creation. The fourth type, which is to love God for none of the previous, is when God manifests himself on the natural and spiritual essence of the soul. I'll have to go because I think I have uh, five minutes left. Okay. In conclusion, as noted in the beginning of my presentation, that previous generations of Western scholars often felt that as a religion, Islam lacks a sophisticated philosophy or theory of love, and this is because it is primarily a religion of law, works, a religion of submission, and a religion of fear, not of love. From this presentation, we can see how mistaken such a view is. From the writings of Ibn Arabi on love, it is clear that submission and love are indeed not contradictory, and that love is situated in the heart of, the Islamic, of Islamic piety, even though this love may not be conceived of in the, in the same way as it might be in other religions or traditions. Ibn Arabi's extensive use of the Quran and the Hadith 
demonstrates that his views of love are not extraneous or to Islamic revelation, but the result of extensive meditation, analysis, and engagement with the main sources of Islamic thought. For Ibn Arabi, the main goal of human love for God is, to, is attained when humans realize that nothing exists in reality except God and that the relative love relationship between the lover and the beloved is nothing more than a relationship which occurs within the very essence of God. Hence, God is love, the lover, and the beloved. And thank you.